Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And welcome to February. Finally, the endless January is over. It seemed to last about two years. At least. You think? At least. Yeah. I have aged quite a bit. Me too. January and February, they are the hardest months for me. They are. I'm sure if you're in Australia, though, and it's summer, it's probably really lovely for you. Oh, (laughs) and how nice for you. Right. But here in Michigan, where we're uh, about to get a blizzard, really bad blizzard, we are told. We'll see what comes to fruition, but... It's supposed to be really bad. I've heard Early, like later 27 inches. Yes. Like rivaling the 1978 blizzard. So I don't, yeah. I, I don't know, guys. It could get really bad around or here. Or we could get nothing because nothing. that's how Michigan yep. works. It sure is. If you've never been here before, <laughs> yeah. that is exactly it how it works. could just pass us over. Could do absolutely nothing or be the complete end of the, the world. Co- yes. Here for it. I love it. I know. I love the chaos. That's, that is where we're at right now. So. Yeah. We decided um, in honor of February, we were going to do a couple's week where love is in the air and then murder. For a very short time. Very short time. So short in my case. Mine too. Really? really? Yeah, for yeah. this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. So welcome, couples. And if you're single, let this further let reinforce I, to you of why you should stay that yes, way. I feel good this week. <laughs> I'm sure. like, I'm in a good place. I'm a little terrified. <laughs> Not going <laughs> to lie. As you should be. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, this is a, this is a short-lived love that I'm going to tell you about this All week. right. What do you have? So this is honestly a case when... When I was researching it, it I found myself saying the entire time, if if you just would have walked away. Yeah. If you just would have made better choices, it would have been better than life in prison. Oh, sure. Sure. So and you will as, see, as I think we could say for as, most people, for many, yes. If you just hadn't have murdered. If you just wouldn't have committed that murder. And you'll see kind of what I mean as I tell you about the story. Because it just, there were so many chances where you could have just said, you know what, this isn't working for me. Yeah, absolutely. But but it doesn't go that way. Hence the, the reason we are here. Right, right. You know, you fire doctors, dentists, gynecologists, I mean, all kinds right. of things in your life. Why not just cancel the relationship? Move forward. Uh-huh, instead of getting all stabby. But we did uh, we did not go that route. So the the story I'm telling you about today, we're talking about a love that lasts about eight days after the wedding. Holy so shit! We're talking no quick uh, change of of heart. I, I shouldn't say uh, quick change because all signs led to you know it wasn't working, but they still proceeded eight days with the with the wedding. So. Yeah. Some people have had an erection that's lasted longer than that. A bad wow. A bad Viagra yes. experience yes. lasts longer than this marriage did. But yeah, so I'm gonna tell you about Cody Johnson and Jordan Lynn Graham. Okay. Have you 
heard of them. You know, I think I have stumbled across this case in my research, but I know nothing of it. Those names are ringing a bell and that well, You're going to yeah. learn today. I want to know it all. Um, this is a 2013 case, so it wasn't that long ago. Okay. This case takes place in Kalispell, Montana. Now, this is a gorgeous town. I, I full disclosure. It sounds beautiful. So it is the gateway to the Glacier National Park in Montana. Oh. Full disclosure, I was looking the town up. I got sidetracked for like a long time looking <laughs> at photos because it's so pretty. Planning your like, next oh my vacation. God, I have to go here. There's <laughs> right. mountains and lakes and like snowy caps and it's really pretty and long story short she put a deposit down with her travel agent so i'm I'm going to glacier right. park next month <laughs> right there you go <laughs> no it's so pretty it looks like a super peaceful small town Aww. not a lot of crime the crime rate is very low there so this was a shocker for the area giving america the shocker right in the yes. heartlands <laughs> the old shocker right Dang. to glacier park yep um, so Cody, he was 24 at the time and Jordan was just 21 when they first met. Okay. Um, now I'm going to tell you about how they met and a little bit about them, of course, before we get to the, the guts of this. That sounded a little morbid, but that's we'll go what, with it. That's what we're here for. So Jordan and Cody, they first met at Taco Bell for a church lunch. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. I love, I can't believe this relationship went south. They met eyes... Over a gordita crunch of and course. a couple tacos. I, I wish hope they I chose wisely husband. because you know that menu can end badly for people. Absolutely. It can run it. right through you. It can very quickly. Nothing with beans. No, nothing, especially on a date. Right. Uh, but it wasn't a date. It was a church lunch, and they, they first kind of met eyes there. Wow. And they kind of had a, you know, they kind of were feeling each other. Sure. Handed each other the packets that said things yeah. on them. Yeah, the hot mm-hmm. sauce. Right. Now, they didn't get a chance to talk as much there, so they had another chance when they were at the same Halloween party together, and that's when they really hit it off. Okay. So, I don't know if they were dressed up as the right things, and they really just got a chance to connect. I'm picturing Raggedy Ann and Andy. Could have been. Just it could have been. Unplanned, meant to be. Okay. But they did get another chance to talk. Now, Cody and Jordan were described as completely opposite people. Cody was very outgoing. He was social. He loved talking. He loved cars. He loved the social life. Where Jordan wasn't as outgoing. She was described as very shy, very reserved. She was very religious. She strongly believed in no sex before marriage um, she worked with children, so she was really good with them, from what I understood. But she was also very immature. She was described okay. as yeah. very shy and also very immature, mm-hmm. even for her age. Naive. Yes, naive mm-hmm. is a good way to put it. Naive is a good way. I think that shows through in this case. Okay. It, her immaturity and just naive. Oh, God, Outlook. we'll get to it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> God, so I'm not going to lie. Right Some now. of this was, it was... I was just like, oh, my God, girl, what are you thinking? Yeah. What were yeah. you thinking? But, yeah, you'll understand here in a minute. So after the Halloween party, like I said, they hit it off pretty well, and they very quickly started dating. Cody was described as being head over heels in love with, with Jordan, and he he had told a friend, if I get a chance to wake up to her every day under the same roof, I'd be the happiest man. Like, Aww. he was so smitten with her. Oh, 
Damn it. Yes, he was described as like going above and beyond in this relationship. Mm. I feel like pretty quickly on, it was discovered that Jordan maybe didn't have the same feelings. Same strong feelings. The same strong feelings back. Now, Why couldn't you have given me an asshole? Why does he have to I'm be gonna need so- more than that? <laughs> what kind of asshole are we talking about here? That's a good question with our friendship, buddy. Right, like um I mean, I can give you what you need, right. but I, I need the deeds. Why does Cody have to be sweet? He was a very head, sweet guy. Head over heels in love and just wants to wake up next to her every day. Yes. And Cody was truly like Loved by everyone that knew him. He was a good, very good guy. And even seeing pictures of him, he just looked like a nice, super nice guy. Yeah. Charnel, you know, I love me a good wedding. Yes. The the hair, the dresses. All the of cake, mm-hmm. oh, the, the prenups. Cake. Yes. The divorce. It's all beautiful. It's a beautiful process. <laughs> the alimony. Everything. <laughs> I'm with Kanye. We, we want prenup. <laughs> right, um, right. I act like I have all these assets. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make your husband sign one so that I, he can't take the podcast. He's not getting the podcast he's or not. my three-bedroom home. No. That's mine. <laughs> but no. So like I said, Cody was, he was ass over elbows in love with, oh, with Jordan. That's the worst kind of love sometimes. It, really, it probably hurts <laughs> I at the wrong so. angle. It probably yep. hurts. But he, what he decides to start doing because he loves her so much is he starts saving up money from his paychecks to put a ring on it. Oh, yeah. 10% goes to the Lord, another 10 to that ring. Yes. And that was just, it was so sweet when I read that. Like, he's saving money, and he's only 24. Yeah. Like, I was buying a lot of dumb shit at 24 with my paychecks. You still are at 38. I am. <laughs> no, it's true. We send each other dumb shit that we end up buying. I saw a gnome with a Jason uh, Voorhees hockey mask on it the other day, and I almost oh bought God. it. I was like, I, I might need that for something. I don't know what. I can't believe you didn't, really. <laughs> Perfect Halloween, Chris. I mean, I might be able to find it again. Yeah. Yeah, so he was saving up for this ring, and he was, and then this is the woman he wanted to marry. So when he got the ring, which from pictures it looked beautiful, he proposed in December of 2012. Um, when I said this is a 2013 case, this is when the yeah. the murder took place. So I, that's what I figured. Yeah. yeah so they, obviously they met before that. Yeah. So in 2012, he proposed. They set a wedding date for June 29th, 2013. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. Because she wasn't given the milk away for free, did the courtship not last very long before? You know, she wasn't given anything away. And I'm going to get to that. There's Funny you ask that. Oh, okay. I will, I will confirm your All right. question here in a minute. I will sit quietly. Um, I actually won't, I, she, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to not ask any more questions. <laughs> she um, was very strong about that, and yeah. so they were not going to, they were not going to consummate before that marriage. Of course not. No, no. Nay, nay. It's so, on lockdown. The milk never left the cow. Okay. <laughs> so to say. Perfect. <laughs> if that answers your question. Sure did. Okay. Yals, yals. Such a delicate way to put it. Jordan initially appeared excited. Um, she said it was the happiest that she'd ever been. She even flew out to California to work with this lady that 
like wrote songs for weddings and special oh. events. And so she worked with this lady to compose a song and pre-recorded it to play at the wedding. What? Yeah. That's fancy. Don't let my husband know that was an option because I did not do that. I could see myself doing this. Oh, for sure. Oh, you and I are going to write the song. We can we do will, it. We have all the recording equipment. You don't have to fly to California. We could. But yeah, she creates songs for weddings and like anniversaries and all kinds of special occasions. So um, Jordan flew out and like did this song. That's with cute. Her name's Elizabeth Shea. So um, she spent time doing that. Okay, see, I would think that she's serious then if she's taken the time to do all that. Right. Um, Elizabeth Shea, the one that, that she worked with, did know that she could tell how shy Jordan was. Jordan was super quiet. Okay. Everybody associated her being really shy. Sociopathically shy? I mean, okay, yeah, I think that's safe <laughs> to the, say. The vibe I'm picking up I here. think that's safe to say. And but Elizabeth Shea said she would light up and smile when she was talking about Cody. So okay. you know there was some kind of happiness in the relationship at first. Now we're gonna come back to the song because there is an eerie twist to this song. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the details first, and then you'll see how this song kind of either it's a very very creepy coincidence or girl had it planned. I don't know. Okay. Um. So. As a little time went on, it became questionable to friends around Jordan how legitimately excited she was about this wedding. In one of the true crime documentaries that I watched about this case, Jordan's friends and Cody's also described the relationship as very much one-sided as far as seeing Cody doing all of the work and making the effort. And Jordan really wasn't giving that back. A few positive things. They said Jordan really got him to start going to church and being involved you know, they started doing that together, but they didn't see that emotion and that loving, you know, demeanor from from her toward Cody, which he had that very much for Jordan. Sure. And sometimes in those situations, sometimes there are people that just are not overtly affectionate. That's true. Especially in public. And, and you just... My husband's not one for big PDA uh-huh. at all. I mean, if I grab his hand, he'll hold my hand, or he, once in a while he might put his hand on my knee or something, but he's not overtly affectionate, Super affectionate. in front of people. Yeah, no. and I get that. Jordan did disclose to some of her friends that she was having second thoughts okay. about the wedding, and she was asking, you know, am I doing the right thing? And her best friend actually appears in one of the documentaries, And she said, you know, I really can't make that decision for you. It's something you're going to have to really think about and decide. Figure out yourself, honey. Cody's friends joked about the relationship. They were kind of jokingly placing bets on how how long it would last. Okay. Who would get, you know, how long would would it take to get to the divorce and that Mm -hmm. kind of things. They saw um, a different side and they were not huge fans of Jordan. Okay. Um. They saw the effort Cody was putting in and how hard he was working, and they just didn't see that from her. Yeah. They saw the lack of effort they, on her they side. Did. They oh, did. Oh, that would be really hard to be in a friend situation like that. I, I think mean, it would not too. if it's you and I, because we'll just straight up tell a bitch that there's what's up. Yes. But, you yes. know, for other people, it could be really difficult. And some other friends even questioned, like, why are you marrying her? And it sounds like Cody didn't want to hear that. He'd get yeah. upset and he would. You know, what are you going to do? Just leave the situation. Yeah. Like, he did not want to, I guess, see maybe what they saw. Sure. Of course and not. He's, you know, 
sphincter over elbow in love. <laughs> yes, he is. Maybe even el- elbow in sphincter Yes, in that's love. probably more accurate. It's pretty deep love. It's deep and uncomfortable, but we kind of think it feels good. I don't know. <laughs> but no, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know the full dynamic. I don't know if it was Cody just so heavily pursuing her that she was like, okay, I'll give him a try. Sure. And then, you know, I don't know if it was to that extent, but... Definitely enough people were were concerned. Do we know? Did she have relationships prior to Cody? Because I wonder that. You know, I don't really know. Okay. And my impression that I get, she was very much involved with her church. And I think she talked to a lot of people that were a lot younger than her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there was a friend she was kind of texting with, which I'll get to, that was about 17. So okay. it was like. Where that immaturity could have come from. Yes. Well. Yes. I think so. So one of Cody's best friends actually, um, he tried to to convince Cody to not go through with the Aww. the marriage. Um, he had quoted, he said, "I told him not to marry Jordan. I had reservations about the relationship because it did not seem healthy. Cody was giving his all, and he wasn't getting much back." However, that's a true friend right there. It is. First of all, and that's not an easy conversation to have with someone that you love. It's not. But that, they're oh. like, "Hey, we're seeing red flags here. We don't know if she's like that into you." Good for them. Um, but him or this person. Nonetheless, June 29th of 2013 comes around and Johnson and Graham, they decided to go through with the wedding. It was held okay. at Woodland Park in Kalispell, Montana. So now they're Johnson and Johnson. They are. Now, I will tell you, the wedding was awkward. Um, oh, really? As Jordan walked down the aisle that day, she looked at her grandmother. Her grandmother started crying, and she started to weep. And not in a way of, like, I'm so in love, I'm crying. Oh, It was no. described as, like, sobbing down the aisle. What? Like the why am I doing this kind of sobbing. Oh, no. Um, Friends and family said it was so uncomfortable because when Jordan got, you know, up to the altar with Cody. It was like this is an arranged marriage sobbing. I feel like it had an arranged marriage undertone because she would not look at him in the eye. She kept turning her head. There's video footage of, of her like turning her head to the side, kind of keeping it down. She grabbed his hands, and then, you know, as they're exchanging vows, she would not look at him. She was looking down. Um, Some of the footage captures some major RBF going on. Like, there was not any happy demeanor there. Yeah, I imagine the uh, wedding night was spectacular. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, it was. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, can you imagine being at that wedding? You're like. No. Uh, what do you do? When they get to the part of, you know, does anyone object? Can the whole congregation just raise like, their hands? Yes, yes, yes. All of us. Do. Because can she collect herself, please? Honey, are you being forced to be here? Yeah. It was it was very it sounds very painful. I mean, she was repulsed to be at her own wedding. Oh. What is going on deeper with this girl? So you know, as a so social worker, I'm like, this isn't right. I know. I started to wonder, too. I'm like, what part of you felt so trapped in this that you, obviously, you did not want this? Was it something to do with her religion? Maybe. Because this is what we're supposed to do. Other friends said in the documentary that, you know, maybe Jordan liked the idea of the wedding and and the marriage, but not necessarily to him. Right. And I don't know if at a certain point we're so far deep into this, it's like, I don't know how to get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
But it became, I think, clear to many that she wasn't fully in this. So where are her parents, like, saying, you know, giving I don't her, know. like, hey, it's okay if you don't want to do this. And, I mean, weddings are very expensive. What if the parents are like, we've already we paid have, for we this. We paid the caterer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We're the having dress. a taco bar. Yeah. Um, None of that is cheap. Your hair, no. those shoes. And that, that could be some of it. And I don't know. I didn't see a lot of the fam- the family dynamic other than I think the family was very religious. And so I don't know if they played a part in pressuring or, sure. you know, I don't know. Right. So her just, being only 21, I don't thoughts. know if yeah. she, she felt like I have to do this. But it was clear she was miserable. I'm at about her to be a, sphinc- a, a sphincter. Excuse me. That's not where I was going with this. I mean, a, sp- <laughs> a spinster at 22. If I don't marry, right, maybe that and was have a husband. It. Yeah, I mean, because in a lot of her religions, that's very top yes. priority. Yes, you're, you're right. There to serve your husband and bear the children, and you got to do that. That's it. ASAP. Yes. Before your ovaries wrinkle and your eggs die. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you. I'm doing just fine with, with my old ass ovaries you over are. here. Yeah, your old ass eggs are looking yes. great. It's, it's never been better. It's fine. Now, the song that Jordan had recorded, it played at the wedding, and she was singing it. Like, they had, like, pre-recorded the song. Some of the lines of the song are very eerie as to what happens to Cody, almost like kind of prophetizing what happened they it mentions like you climb at a higher place or you bring me to a higher place and then kind of makes reference to falling off a cliff off of a cliff and that is what we no we have i was joking yeah so i'm just telling you there's some undertones of this before anything happens and it is very chilling no and it raises the question now she never admitted to this she never admitted it had anything to do with it but the lyrics are very oddly connected to what she ends up doing i don't think there's that many coincidences in the you world know, i don't either i really don't um maybe when she was singing i'm just picturing this very dramatic thing while she's singing it and she's envisioning she's it like, yes yes <laughs> correct like it just i was doing this too you were <laughs> The Mr. Mr. Burns fingers. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. For sure. I, I do feel like maybe while she was singing it, it was... There was something there, maybe a plan. I don't know. Um, But that is that is a part of this that's kind oh, of no. just an odd twist. Um, Now, so we're talking the day after the wedding. They go through with this, they get married, day one... She was texting her maid of honor. They had went on some kind of honeymoon. Sure. Um, as couples do. Yes. So she's texting the maid of honor the very next day, and she says, I don't know if this was the right thing to do. So much happened last night. I just don't know. Her friend responds, last night at the wedding or last night in the room? And Jordan responds with, being married and after the wedding. Her friend asks what happened, and Jordan said, I would rather talk about it in person than text. And so she meets with her friend after they get back, and she describes the the honeymoon being just a horrible time. It was miserable. They didn't get along. She was super unhappy. Oddly, she wouldn't say what happened, um, but she just was crying really heavily. And Of course, nothing happened to her when she was walking down the aisle and she was crying heavily. That's so, true. Uh, did anything happen or did you just sat with this realization that you're Mrs. Johnson? 
right. the rest of your life. And and so maybe that's why she couldn't put it into words right. or maybe something really bad happened and she just didn't want right. to disclose it. We will probably never know that. But over the next couple of days after that, the text just became more desperate and you could tell that Jordan was just becoming more miserable. Okay. Maybe she saw a penis for the first time and it was not what all she thought it was going to be. Well, funny you say that because one of the texts that she did send to her friend, it said, I just know he's going to want to do stuff and I'm not really wanting to. I'm using the my period spiel tonight. I freaking hope it works because if I'm forced to do something, I'm going to freak out. Oh, okay. So no, she did not like the penis. This is... The man she just married. Right. A this couple is days when ago. you're supposed to be, your genitals are inseparable. Yep. Yeah. You should be at the honeymoon slapping bodies. Yes. Never seeing irresistible the beach or the ocean, whatever yeah. destination you're at. We're in our little condo. Right. That's how you honeymoon. Babies. Yes. And if you're or not, at least practicing. Right. Right. And so she did not want anything to do with him. Nothing. Okay. Now, huge had, red flag. Yes. You had asked about the the consummation. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding from Jordan's friend that was interviewed and in all of this, they did not took place. ever consummate the marriage. Oh. So even the night of the wedding, it's supposed to be this big event. And she's not having it. Or Cody. She did not want. You know, back in the day, your chamber ladies used to take you to the your chamber and get you all ready and reared up and then stand outside the door and listen <laughs> while you consummated the marriage to. Ah, uh, the good old days. <laughs> yes, yes. To, so there were witnesses that the marriage had been consummated because the child that would likely come from it isn't going to be. Can you imagine? No. Somebody like standing out. Oh. Oh, yep. Okay. Amber, that would be your job in my life and my job <laughs> in your life. Like I, you know, I wonder if they had to go confirm with like the elders, like the For marriage sure. is consummated. Judging by the sounds we heard, consummated. It's, yes. For those five seconds. <laughs> it was a lovely five seconds. It was. Oh my goodness. It probably took, I'm going to guess at least 40 minutes to get all of those, like the corset oh, and the- Oh, yes. Just to get the dress. everything off. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what the ladies were supposed to do because a man couldn't possibly. <sighs> no. A man would never know his way around <laughs> no, a dress a of that size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So, yes. They, they, I mean, Jordan said to her friend that they never actually had sex. Okay. She didn't want to. surprise me. Yeah. Because she didn't want to get married, obviously. She she clearly didn't. And that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning. Like, honey, if you just would have, like, I know it's hard, but if you could have walked away, people would get over it. Sure would. Jesus would, too. Jesus would forgive. You didn't make any promises to him. Yeah, right. And so... I. I don't know. I'm just. I would love to to dive into what sh- was going on in her yeah. her mind. You can't tell me that there weren't outside pressures from somewhere. There must have that been. There was something that she had to keep up this this whole thing. Or maybe this was her first big relationship, and she felt obligated to it. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um. Oh. So on Sunday, July seventh. So this is just about a week after their mar- their wedding. Um. Graham and Johnson. They both went to. They're Morning. Johnson and Johnson. John- oh, you know what? You're right. The the or- 
article. The article. The article. <laughs> the article that I read never refers to her as Johnson. Johnson. Mm. Maybe because she never I wanted to be. That she really went and changed her name in eight days. I think it's probably safe to say. But so they go to the morning service at their their Baptist church, and after church. Graham's stepfather, Steve, asks if they're planning on taking their kayaks out. It was like the 4th of July weekend. So he's like, oh, are you going to take the, you know, kayaks out? Sure. <laughs> and Cody Sorry. says, well, Jordan said that she has a surprise for me. And apparently this was like a um, a big thing because there was a couple of other friends that knew about this surprise that Jordan was, ha- you know, had planned for him. One of the friends even asked, oh, did the surprise happen yet? And Cody was like, no, not yet. I have no idea, you know, what this is. Oh, this is like Josh Powell's surprise for his little kids. It's, it, like I said, I mean, it it is all just eerie how it kind of builds up. And also that she was having such, you know, second thoughts and really depressed over this. And then to have a surprise for him, it was kind of like, did, did you? Right. Did you really? Right. Now, meanwhile, when all of this is happening, Jordan was texting her best friend, talking about how depressed she was and, um, you know, issues with this new marriage. And her friend really encouraged her to go talk to the pastor. You know, you really should yeah. get some counseling for this if, if it's affecting you this much. So Jordan did say, I am going to talk to him tonight. Like, we really do need to talk about this and I'm going to tell him how I feel. She also said in a text to her friend, but dead serious, if you don't hear from me, something happened. But she never specified dead what she serious. meant. Dead serious. So after church that day, it was typical for the church members to later go to dinner in the evening. And so they ended up going to Dairy Queen. It was about 7.15. They spent about an hour there, and then they went home. And so Jordan finally did get the courage to talk to Cody about how she was feeling and it sounded like a a pretty bad argument came about from that sure yeah like they just got married right what information that would have been useful several days ago (laughs) the wedding singer comes to mind right Uh, so I'm sure whatever was said Cody probably didn't respond well to And so they started to get into a fight. They hoped to work things out a little bit later. And so they decided that they were going to take a drive that evening and they were going to go up to Glacier Park. I don't know if they thought a walk would be, you know, helpful. It's gorgeous there. So maybe they were like, let's go. That will cure all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made me feel better looking at the pictures. (laughs) Just from the pictures. Imagine being there. So about 9.17 p.m., they entered the west entrance of Glacier National Park. The sun was just setting. I miss those days when the sun was setting, like, oh, yeah. later. I yeah. miss that. Remember, do you remember the sun? Oh, God. It was like a dream. It was. I, I Years ago. It. So they parked on, I love the name of this road. They parked on this loop that was kind of off of the, the road. It's called Going to the Sun Road. Oh, isn't that that's neat? cute? I think the these the names have like a lot of Indian, um, sure, of feel course, to connotation. Them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they parked. They got out of the car. Now Cody drove, but apparently Jordan would always take the keys and like keep them with her. So she did that as okay. as normal. Apparently, this was a thing. Yeah, woman's got her purse. 
Right. Hold the keys in the purse. I the keys too. Yeah. They didn't take their phones with them because there's no reception in this park. I mean, sure. they're in the mountains. So right. they left their phones behind. That evening happened. So like I said, you know, this is about a week uh, into the marriage. There was a bad fight. They went on this walk um, or hike into the park. So on July 8th, this is the very next day, Cody did not show up for work. Okay. The absence apparently was shocking because Cody didn't miss work, and Cody certainly wouldn't miss work and not call and Mm -hmm. let someone know. So his boss, who was also one of his really close friends, naturally texts him about 8.30 a.m. asking where he was, why, why didn't he come to work, you know, what happened, and there's no response. About two hours later, around 10.30 a.m., he calls Cody's phone, and it went straight to voicemail. So over lunch, Cody's friend is starting to, um, his name was Fred Cameron uh, Fredrickson, I believe. He is starting to kind of panic, like, okay, he's not yeah. answering, something's going this on. This isn't so, like him. He starts calling family. He starts calling friends. Nobody's heard from him. Mm. And, you know, his mom knew right away, like, that's not like him. If Because he was so social and so close to his people, he would have reached out to someone yeah. by yeah. that point of the day. So everybody is like, okay, something something's going on. About 4.30 p.m. that day, Jordan Graham sent a message to Fredrickson asking if Cody had showed up for work that day. He said that Cody had not been to work, and then Jordan told Fredrickson a version of the story that she had been apparently telling other people that day that the couple had gotten into a fight, and he left with some what she called his car buddies. So they apparently picked him up in this black car, had Washington plates, and he went off with them. Oh, my God. She didn't know who they were. Oh, give me a break. Right. She didn't know who they were. His car buddies. They were just from out of town, and he went with them. She apparently. is dumb, young and dumb. He's got these car and, buddies, and like like I said, I think her naive, yes. uh, just immaturity really shows through in how she handles all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the story didn't make sense, though. It was confusing, and the other problem is there were contradictions right away oh i'm sure so she's telling this story but she's she's, not the sharpest crayon in the box unfortunately she was really not um she had told other people though that she followed the car and you know then lost track of them they sped off so there was just kind of variations of this crazy Mm -hmm. story that he left with these friends in a car and she had no idea where they were going it it was just all these people that have known him a lot longer than she has right Uh uh-huh and it's, I mean, she is technically his wife, so, you know. Kind just, of, for a hot minute, for, but not really. It's not consummated. You're right. You're right. He's really still just married to his hand. <laughs> so. You know, Chardal, you raise a good point there. I, I, I hesitate to call her his wife. Obviously, nobody hears from Cody that, that day. And then on July 9th, which would have been the next day on a Tuesday, um, like I said, Fredrickson was suspicious from the beginning. He's like, this story is just kind of. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's inconsistent. So he decides to go over to the home to kind of check things out, see see what's up, and nobody's there. So he does kind of help himself in. I guess the back door was open. He kind of looked around, and the back door happened to be open. So he was kind of, like, looking to see if he could find any clues or anything suspicious. 
Unfortunately, he doesn't, but his his radar is going off at this point. Fredrickson did contact the Kalispell Police Department and the Montana Highway Patrol. Um, Jordan was, or I'm sorry, Cody was reported officially missing because nobody had heard from him. So his friend reported him missing, not his he, wife? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, also a red flag. He called hospitals around the area. He called, um, you know, oh. to see if he'd been involved in an accident and, yeah. you know, it wasn't reported or something like that. Um, he now, knows his friend. He did, and it's out, one of uh, Cody's friends on the documentary talked so highly of him and just completely broke down. Like, they really, oh. he was adored. yeah. And his, you know, his best friend really just talked about missing him so much. Mm-hmm. So people were worried about him. Now, Jordan did make effort to search with her friends. They went around um, what they described as the flathead, and they, they were searching um, Hungry Horse Dam. So there was just, like, park areas that they were looking at. One of Jordan's friends named Amy Hess was with her at the time, and she mentioned that Jordan's behavior didn't seem very, you know, concerned wife behavior. She was reported to be giggling and texting pretty much the entire time that they were supposed to be searching for him. She did not seem concerned or worried in any way. Is this the first time she's seemed happy since she... Uh, met it was this guy pr- probably the most emotion she'd yeah. shown wow. in a long time but it was I think right off the bat to people pretty really odd because mm-hmm. she did not appear to be emotional over him worried you know she was mm-hmm. searching but I mean she was on her phone most of the right. time yeah great so when one they were, of those yeah it's one of those girls they were driving back to Kalispell after doing some searching, and Graham did receive, Jordan Graham, she received a call from the police, uh, Sergeant Chad Zimmerman, and he had requested her to come in and talk to them for an interview. So she did arrive at the police station about 7 p.m., and Jordan was brought back for interrogation. They had asked when she had last seen him. She gave him the the story about, well, I think he went off with some friends. His car buddies. The car buddies. That's what they were referred to. License plate. Yep. And she was like, you know, I don't know where they went, but I do know that when (laughs) Cody has people over or people, you know, from out of town visit, he does like to take them to to Glacier Park. Uh I do know that. I love it when they say crap like that. I don't, I don't know. know, but you know what I do know. Yeah. Exactly where you're going to find him. <laughs> right? Exactly. Fucking idiot. Oh, I know. The whole, the whole thing is just painful. The whole thing the is whole- painful, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So, so the other part of this is that Jordan had been telling variations of the story. She had told uh, Fredrickson one thing like she had went out to the garage to talk to Cody and she happened to see them speeding off in this black car no clue what was going on she told the police officer when she was getting investigated that she was out picking up a phone charger and she wasn't home when Cody had taken off so then how'd you see who he left with right so the the investigator right away he's like listen Mm -hmm. he's like i am getting a lot of inconsistencies from you he said i've been doing this a long time 
it I could have pick been, up things. It could have been his first day on the job, and it he was going to pick this up. <laughs> it could have been a sixth grader. For sure. Exactly. Maybe it's it a was. a matter of fact, our kids might be listening right now in the next room, probably. Like, got it on. solved. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he right off the bat, he was like, I feel like you're hiding something from me. Yeah. This just is not adding up. She was there about 30 minutes. They did let her go at that point. I love um, how he's got it. Right? The red flags are popping that quick. Right. Like, there's Immediately. Not, it's not really even an interrogation. That's like a, okay. So just when you think you've, you've heard enough. Oh, no. Oh, this. This. Okay. So July 10th, this is the next day after she was interrogated. Uh-huh. I shouldn't laugh. Um, your face. I wish we were in video right now. It's just, again, as I'm researching this, I'm like, come on, Jordan, right, right? Jordan. Um, so that morning, July 10th, Jordan Graham receives a mysterious email. Oh, uh, the email. Oh, it was no. from an anonymous. No, it wasn't. Let me start that over. It was from a man named Tony. Tony. Is, I'm going to tell you what it said. Okay. Because you're going to just be so what, shocked. What does Tony have to say? So Tony, he he emailed Jordan, and and this is what he said. He says, my name is Tony. There's no bother looking for Cody anymore. He is gone. I saw your post on Twitter, and I thought I would email you. How considerate. He, he had come with some buddies and met up with me on Sunday night in Columbia Falls. He was staying... Or, I'm sorry. He was saying he needed to be with his buddies for a bit and take them for a joyride. Three of the guys came back saying that they had gone for the ri- for a ride in the woods somewhere, and Cody got out of the car and just went for a little hike, and they are positive he fell, and he's dead, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know who the guys were, what? but they took off. So call off the missing persons report. Cody is gone for sure. Oh, she Signed, is- Tony. A naive, naive. Damn it, Tony. This is what a sheltered life will do for you when you try to become a hardened criminal. You write yourself dumbass emails. Like, she couldn't even create a drug bust gone wrong. It was, I'm some random dude that saw your husband with these other dudes that I don't know, and they went on a hike, and then they said they think he's gone. So call that search off. Call it off. He's dead. He's gone. He now, is no more. I want to point out what you were boldly assuming this was Jordan that wrote this email. Uh, yes, you are right. I, I never am. told you. That's true. I am boldly Bold assuming. Bold of you to assume that yes. Jordan wrote this. Doesn't sound like something that would come out of a 21-year-old naive church girl at, at all. all. This monster Tony just reaches out the next morning and, and he reveals the truth. So she no. can stop searching now and wasting yeah. time with no her friends. No big deal. It's, yeah, just call it all off. He's gone. He's Solved. dead. We don't need to look for him. No. He's gone. Yep. So, well, you've convinced me, Tony. <laughs> God. Thank you, Tony. We have our closure. So she forwards this to the police legitimately. So she gets like- the email. She lets... Um, Cody's mother now and <gasps> no so they do take this email to the police at this point I'm this gonna say bitch good goes faith. to the mom instead of the police first yes, she oh shared I hate the her email. I hate her I think at first the family wanted to believe she didn't really do this I mean the friends were red flags were popping 
But they take the e- a copy of the email to the police. Immediately, the <laughs> they detective. Trace it back to her IP address. <laughs> uh, detective Corey Clark they, is the one that met with them at the time. He looks at the email and he says, seems kind of sketchy. <laughs> really? Sir, I agree with you. I think I concur. Uh, Corey oh, Clark Lord. asked Jordan if she knew Tony S. And she said she did not. Then he asked why uh, Jordan was so calm. She said she didn't like to show emotion in front of people. And I am a robot. I have no yeah. feelings. <laughs> I don't feel things. <laughs> and um, her mom, Jordan's mom, was with her at the time, and she was like, she was hysterical earlier. She doesn't, you know. Oh, dear God. I'm sure she wanted to believe that her daughter was innocent, right? Yeah. Well, don't we all? We don't want to think we made a murderer. Yeah. Mom said she's just overwhelmed. You know, she wants to go home. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure she yeah. does. It's all about her. Oh. She's just tired. She needs to go home and say her prayers. God. So, a few minutes before noon, Detective Melissa Smith walked into the interview room. She had been talking to Detective Clark about some of the inconsistencies of Graham's story. She slid a sheet of paper across the the desk um, with about the Miranda rights. Smith told Graham that she was not under arrest, but that she did have the right to remain silent. Anything that she said could be used against her in court of law. Graham signed the paper and she continued talking with Smith. Yeah. I mean, this is a foolproof plan. She's got Tony S mm-hmm. as her fallout mm-hmm. guy. This, this Tony. It's just so he, considerate to email after he read a Twitter. <laughs> a Twitter. Um, so Graham told the police the same version that she'd been telling everyone and they had asked to see her phone and any text messages from Cody, you know, that they had exchanged about this. And Jordan said that she didn't have any because the two of them always erased their text messages at the end of the day. It's just something they did. How convenient. Um, you know, just to clear the phones out. Yeah, I got to keep that data catch nice and clean. I've heard that one before. Right, right. Um, yeah, the cheaters do. The cheaters that, and that the liars is, do the that. The cheaters and the liars always say, it's just what I do. I delete all my messages. I have mm-hmm. about six years of text and information on this. For sure. This thing is a timeline. I've never deleted a text from you. I, me Not either. Once. I have Our entire friendship is documented in text journal <laughs> we form. We could put it into a beautiful story. <laughs> there's a lot of weird shit in there. There's so much weird shit in there. It could just be this beautiful be flow. But no, um, so she's she was like, yeah, we erase everything at the end of the day. It's just mm-hmm. what we do. The detective asked why. And she said, well, one of the children that she babysits likes to mess with her phone. And so she just like clears everything out of I it. don't want every a nude slipping. Yeah. Yeah. We no. don't want a leaked nude. No leaked nudes In front of the kids. Here. Yeah. So. Because they couldn't find any any information and Jordan wasn't, you know, giving her phone up, they do send a subpoena over to Google uh, to look for any information regarding this mysterious Tony S. and yeah. his email address. Sure, of course. Now, I know you boldly, boldly assumed that it was Jordan. Um, and you <sighs> might be onto something because what they did discover is... That the account was created at an IP address linked to Graham's parents' home. Wow. And that it was created on July 10th. Wow. The same day it was sent? You should have been a detective. Uh, you know, 
so close. Investigator, detective. I should get my detective's license. You really should. You you picked up on that yes, right away, yes. and I'm impressed. Yes, it was very hard to crack and follow, but here we are. So I hate to tell you, but there was no Tony S. Oh. There was none. You mean to tell me that murderers are not conveniently trying to save people time after they see a Twitter from a victim. He's I love I love it though where he's just like don't you don't need to look I'm anymore. I'm so considerate. I saw your tweet and I just don't want you wasting time right. anymore. You he's don't dead. have to look. How often do you think that murderers are that conscientious of the time that they're wasting from their and victims families that was thoughtful yeah i love how he's like you know we don't know where the body is but we just know We're he's just gone. pretty sure he's dead so yeah. just you don't need to look mm, anymore. a bear doesn't have him treed he's dead yeah yeah he's okay. gone yeah stop so anyway so later that afternoon uh, jordan and her friends and family they headed over to glacier park they were continuing to do searching because you know she's still well, of course, Tony S. said that they were hiking there. Right. At this point, they still say he's missing, and so they're they're looking, and they stopped at the loop. Remember the um, the drive I told you about, the Sun to, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. To the Sun Road. Yeah. Yeah, Sun I, Road. The Sun yeah. Road, yes. So they, they parked over in that same area, and they began looking, searching. Um, they were hanging up missing person's posters too like they were they were making an effort it's super creepy to me when the murderer takes part in the search the search i know and it happens so often um graham said that she wanted to go down so there was like a wall kind of a lookout um you know over the horizon, but then there was a wall that dropped down, and she kept saying, like, she really wanted to go down there. And her brother's like, no, it's too dark. It's, you know, it's getting dark. It's too dangerous. And so they didn't go down there at that point. But the following afternoon, they returned to the same area because they're looking in that, you know, part where they kind of think he he might be because of the email. The email. And again, Jordan is focused on going down this wall, down the wall um, area. And so they asked, like, why, why are you so fixed on this area? And she said, she just had a feeling and the Lord had I led her. I knew you were going to say it. The Lord had led her to this location. There it is. Uh-huh. Ugh. Putting putting faith in, in the Lord, leading her. And so she just felt like. This is like, not how you use your religion and your beliefs. It, it, it shouldn't be. But no. she had a feeling she really wanted to go down there and look. And so that she does. So that the next day she does go down and she, there's a ravine. She goes down to the bottom of the ravine. And after looking a couple different angles, she stops and she spots something. Her brother Michael quickly comes down to join her. They look into the ravine. And about 200 feet away, Cody Johnson's body was discovered lying face down in the water. Michael collapsed and began to cry. Jordan calmly walked away. Oh, my God. No emotion. Well, I hear Satan doesn't cry, so. And her demeanor and her affect was mentioned, like, throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Just no emotion at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, giggling. you know, on her right. phone, but that's about it. So after they found the body, um, 
Graham got in the car with one of her friends, one of the bridesmaids that was at the wedding, and just eight, you know, well, yeah, just at this like point a week. in time, like yeah, probably two weeks ago, right? So they they start to head back, um, and they're going to go report that they had found him. Apparently, now, did the detectives already have this information about the IP address and stuff, and maybe we're just like letting her lead them to where it, that is it possible? Is. You know, I I did not clarify the timeline on that. Um, I think it was all it. This unfolded so quickly. Yeah, like she yeah. did. She got caught very quick. Okay. So I think you know. So after it's all she, happening simultaneously, yeah, she sent that, and then they discovered she, you know, it came from the parents' house. Right. But she also is like, "Oh my gosh, I f- have a feeling I know where he is. Yes, the it, Lord is speaking to me." Yeah. So they're <sighs> heading back after they had found the body, and Jordan says to her friend. Now that we found them, we can call the detective and he can get out of my business. <gasps> and her friend was very taken back by this comment, you know. As was I, and I don't even know these people. God. And it was noted that she was surprisingly calm, like I said, the entire time. About 8.30 p.m., park ranger Steve Powers received a call from dispatch to head up to Lake McDonald's to meet with Jordan Graham. He got there and he talked to Jordan for a few minutes and then he fi- had her fill out a statement. And again, Graham's demeanor is ra- raising red flags, you know, to everybody. Even to a park ranger. Yes, to the park ranger. Um, the the ranger mentioned that he thought it was extremely odd that she knew where to find the body. Sure. And he quoted when I asked about it, she said it was it was a place that Cody wanted to see before he died. So she just had that feeling that that's where he was. Ironically. Sweet baby Jesus. Really? (coughs) The irony in that statement. Yeah. Okay. So while Johnson's body was being discovered in the park, the police detective who interviewed Graham the the morning prior was out walking his dog. He happened to live in the same neighborhood as Jordan Graham. This is a pretty small town. Yeah. Right. So he happened to just be out walking his dog. He was not on duty that day. And he had walked by their house. I mean, he may have been doing a little scoping I mean, out. You're never off, dude. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and he happened to see something odd in the trash can that was sitting out front of the house. Oh. So he did kind of poke around a little, a little bit. dumpster diving. He saw that inside the trash can, there were love letters, teddy bears, valentines, and part of a wedding dress. That had been thrown away. Oh, my God. So Clark dragged the, the trash can back to his house, and he dumped everything out on his garage floor. He took photos of the content, and then he packed it all back up and drug it Holy over shit. to the house. I love this man. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that is my hero right there. I was just kind of like, were you really just walking uh-huh. your dog? Fido <laughs> needs to go poop. Right over here. Right here. Looks like a By good place. By the Graham's house. Yes. <laughs> So she would just threw away their whole relationship. Yeah. She tossed everything out. And then just a little bit later, I think that the timing of everything, it was just like, bam, bam, bam. Because he got the call that they had found Cody's body Uh body later. That they had (laughs) Hold me. (laughs) I'm here, my child. Let me just say that again. So later that day, he got the call that, that Cody's body had been found. 
convenient. So, yeah. Like, cool. Because like, I just look at, I just, I just found all the stuff. Of her wedding dress that she threw away in the dumpster. Oh, so Clark he headed over to Glacier Park as he arrived. Jordan and her friends were returning home after um, spending a couple hours speaking with other authorities in the park. They had taken, so it was Cody's car that they had been taking that he'd formerly had. It was an Audi. Okay. And so as they're going back, her friend was driving and Jordan was on the passenger side and she said, don't speed. This isn't my car. Well, now it is. Uh, so it's just like ugh, so gross. many heartless Disgusting comments. Gross. Yeah. You know, she was probably saying the thing about the detective getting out of her life, ironically, while he was going through her dumpster. Very oh much in God. her I life. it was happening simultaneously. <laughs> I like to think it was. <laughs> He'll be out of my life as he's right. like screenshotting all right. of this Everything stuff. in her dumpster. The next morning, July 12th, members of the Kalispell uh, Police Department and Federal Bureau of Investigators hiked down to the ravine to retrieve Johnson's body. Um, downstream investigators found one of his shoes in the water and a piece of black cloth, which prosecutors later speculated could have been used as some kind of bl- blindfold. Oh. So uh-huh. not sure how that all went down. This is my surprise. Let me blindfold you. Oh. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she had a big surprise. Oh, you're I, so right. I bet that's how and she, he was probably like, yes, All right, baby. Finally. I'm C- going to come take, to daddy. Right, exactly. Oh. We're going to consummate this marriage in the park. You're so right. That just breaks my heart. That's probably how she got him to put the, bl- the, blindfold, the blindfold on. on. Yeah. And oh my God. And then all of a sudden he's just free falling. Yeah. Oh, she's heartless. This is like one of the worst people. She is heartless. And being this religious, you know, shy girl, no soul. No. No soul in that body. Not at all. Um, One of the officials found a wallet and positively identified that it was, in fact, Cody Lee Johnson. After photos were taken, the investigators um, recorded the scene and his body was put into a bag and airlifted out of the ravine. A few days later, the service was held for Cody, and it was also noted that Jordan spent more time on her phone than mourning with the family. Oh, my Lord. I would have been like, get Oh, out. if I was her mother, you gone. Yeah. I mean, his mother, excuse e- me. Either one. Yeah. Like, out of you here. go. What What is so important on your phone? Oh, she's disgusting. To see, uh, to see her, like, sitting at the funeral. I love how she can't funeral. even pretend. No, like, she that's couldn't. how... Isn't soulless it? you are that you can't even take a day to pretend and do you know it just amazes me how many times we see that people really can't yep. pretend yes there's been countless cases where like searches yep. you know the concern for that person yep and that person i mean people the, are seeing it right they away can't fake it no. they cannot fake it and she did a horrible job now because of the suspicious circumstances very suspicious. Which one, Amber? <laughs> that she hand-served herself. Yeah. The FBI does open a full investigation. Imagine that. Now, as part of what they did, there was security camera footage at Glacier National Park. No shit. Does this get any, like, could she have done any worse of a job? Um, 
I don't think yes, so. Yes, she could have left her own birth certificate at the crime scene. <laughs> Good call. Good call. It's the only thing missing here. It really is. So as they review the footage, they see that at about 9.17 p.m. on July 7th, Jordan Graham and Cody Johnson entered the park. A print out of that frame was overturned to the conference table on July 16th when Graham walked into the police department for a third time that week for questioning. Um, she thought she was meeting with the same detectives that she had talked to before. That she just wanted she out wasn't. of her life. Yep. But nope, now she's meeting with the Fibby, isn't she? She is. FBI agent Stacy Samilita Sami. Nailed it. Sam- Wait, Samidala. Okay. Smidella. I love how you have Forgive to put me. your finger yes. in the air when you it say it. It makes it too. official. Uh, Stacy. We're going to go with Stacy. Yeah, Stacey. big Stacy. We love it. Okay. So she asked Graham to tell her again the version of the story of what happened. She told them about the car buddies and the, you know, car be- It's always car buddies. <laughs> the car buddies. She, she went with his car buddies. Really, really. Black not car, have- Washington plates. I don't know what happened. That's what she's... Saying again. She does not have two brain cells to rub together. She really like, doesn't. She can't even come up with a good story. So after a while, Stacy, she's like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> this is painful. Stop. For yeah. everyone. She stops her. She tells her, I know you're lying. Yeah. She slides the photo over. There it is. Of them entering the park. Ever heard of a camera in a national park? And, yep, she slides that over. She's like, cut the shit. Yes. She didn't really say that. But, I bet she did. But I think and she wanted to. For sure. And that's that's that. That's all she wrote. Jordan Graham immediately started crying and... Repenting for repenting. her sins, I'm sure. And so she did give a version of what she said happened that night, and this is this is what she recalls. Again, who knows what the truth is? It was an accident, wasn't it, Amber? It was an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that it was getting dark, and the couple started to walk around around the the Loop Trail, which connects to the Sun Road. And Graham told Johnson that she hated it when he talked to her like a child, and that she was not happy. Maybe she wouldn't act like a fucking child. Right? A little ways down the path, they began walking off the trail through some, uh, like, area that had been, it was like fire. It had caught on fire a couple years back. Mm -hmm. And they edged their way to the bottom of a rock that holds, like, the sun road. Um, Like, they stopped at this rock, and they started getting into this huge fight. Um, it got really bad, and Cody grabbed Jordan's arm. She yelled at him to let go, and not knowing if he was going to pull or push her, she got scared. She then grabbed his hand and brushed it away, and then according to her testimony, she pushed him back with two hands, and that's when he fell nearly 200 feet down. Wow, it's amazing that they were having this back-and-forth physical thing so close to a drop off to a ravine right what bad luck what are the odds of all the places in the park yeah and and she's lied so much it's like we'll never probably know the truth of what happened but that's what she said It, it was a fight that got out of hand cody fell into the ravine the impact crushed his right eye socket and resulted in a seven inch skull fracture his legs were badly bruised and mm. multiple ribs broken during mm. the fall. Mm. His heart was also torn open. No. That part hurt my soul. It hurts me too. 
It was because like, that's literally he, what she did. He li- he loved her so much, and his mom, you know, talks about like all he wanted to do is be married, and he loved her so much. And she literally tore his heart. She open. tore his heart open. Have they like considered the way that he was found face down, and how she's saying she pushed him from, you know, pushed him, and he would have fallen backwards? Not that you can't necessarily flip in transit, but. Right. How often? But does that happen? I'd be curious to know. That's how a good that point because you would think with the blindfold found that he probably was facing right forward. Right. Very good point. The state medical examiner Gary Dale, who performed the autopsy on Cody Johnson, testified that Johnson died of blunt force trauma, and his injuries were similar to those that someone would receive in a car crash. Oh. On top of the cliff. Jordan Graham said she turned back and headed um, back, you know, through the trail up to the car and that she headed back to Kalispell when after this had happened. So it's an accident, but you don't tell anybody about it. She didn't tell anybody. Yeah, okay. Now, when she got back into an area with self-service, with self-service, she immediately texted her best friend and she said, now I'm freaking out. And she had, I guess, typoed, I'm freaking not. And then she corrected it oh, and yeah. sent out. She said, I don't even know what to do right now. And then a little bit later that night, she called her brother, um, who lived near Columbia Falls, about 11.15 p.m. And she said that she and Cody had gotten into a fight. And Jordan wanted her brother to come over to the house so she wasn't alone. Her little brother agreed to come over. She never said anything about what happened. She just said that they had gotten into a really bad fight. She's starting her alibi, covering her tracks is what she's doing. Oh, yeah, come over, Mm -hmm. be with me. Um, Meanwhile, her friend keeps pressing her, like, what happened? You said you're freaking out. And Jordan would offer very little detail about what happened. She said, I talked to him. And all it did was cause me to get scratched and for him to leave. And she said, there's no way I'm... Oh, boo-hoo, you got a scratch. Yep. I really hate her. She is heartless. And you're going to hate her even more in a second. Yeah. She said, there's no way I'm going to be able to fall asleep. If I do, I won't wake up. So she's putting it on so heavy, like, this fight was bad. I'm super upset. What a freaking martyr. Now, (laughs) meanwhile, so she's sending these with her friend, at the same time, she's also texting another friend throughout all of this. Um, this friend's name was Nikki Blake. She was 17. And she was texting with Jordan through that night. And their conversation was much different. They were laughing and joking about uh, like a dance thing, um, some dance party or something like that. Um, one of the texts that Jordan had sent to to. Uh, Nikki Blake said, dude, you better work on those sweet moves, although you are pretty amazing already. This was at 11.05 p.m. Okay. Blake said her dance moves were already superior, and Jordan responds, whoa, whoa, too far, homie. Grant, um, And then later she said, we would kill it on the dance floor. So she's joking with friends after wow. her husband had just after died. After she's murdered her husband. And supposedly after he's just accidentally died. Right. Okay. So there there you have, yeah. like, there's no panic. There's no, nope. um, you know, like you said, she's putting together yep. a horrible alibi. Yeah. Not so, an accident at all. Yeah. She did end up, I mean, as soon as they showed her that footage of the park, she broke Right. And she, you know, told that version of what had happened. 
So in October, Graham pleaded not guilty to charges of first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and making false statements to authorities. A trial date was set for December 9th, and on that day, Graham walked into the court with her attorneys, Andy Nelson and Michael Donahue. Over the next two and a half days, the prosecutors, um, Chris McLean and Zeno... Zeno B, we're going to go with that. Yes, yes, sounds right. Um, they presented evidence, lots of evidence. I was going to say, had a pretty airtight A beautiful timeline of evidence yeah. showing that Jordan Graham did this on purpose Imagine to her that. new husband. More than 30 witnesses took the stand, including Cody Johnson's mother, who broke down as she remembered her son's wedding day. Oh. She said... He said it was the best day of his life and that he was going to start a family, and she started to weep. I always wanted to be a grandmother. That gets oh, me. Oh. Give me a sec. I hate this woman. That, that one hurts my soul. Yes, because now she can't be a grandmother because yep. of this soulless And that was worm. her only child. <sighs> so, and the, this case makes me so mad because it was so unavoidable you want to tell you want to talk about or, i'm the, sorry it was so avoidable yeah you want to talk about the most senseless case i think that we've ever covered just, this is it just don't get married you clearly did not want to marry him that's why it's like why the did whole... you rob someone of their son and their future grandchildren and and friends he was of a their good, friend he was a good kid yeah still a kid to like, me did not need to go down like this. No, all he did was love her. And, he, you know, if she didn't love him back, that's okay. For sure. You know, we can't always Happens all have the time. that. Yeah. That's okay. You could walk away. But what happened is just so senseless. And it could it have is. been. She had every opportunity to walk away from this. Watch Runaway Bride. Yeah. Julia Roberts will show you different ways to leave a wedding. Go out on a horse. And look great doing it. Yeah. Take yeah. a horse out. It yes. doesn't matter. Like, you you didn't have to go through with it. Mm-mm. And But also, why did no one in that church ever just say, like, hey, Honey. I don't think you're happy about this. Oh, not that I'm blaming them. I'm sorry. No, I no, didn't no. mean to sound like that, of course, because they're, uh, that is not what I'm doing. But it's just like, there were so many red flags here. And so I just, many. I feel so bad for all of them. And I don't know, you know, I don't know who fully knew who she was. It sounds like she was very, very shy, very reserved. Yeah. So maybe people didn't know how to read her, but. uh, And now her family has lost her too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. She's spending her good years in prison. What do you mean her good years? Did she not get life? Let me tell you what happened. So on December 12th. Uh, the government the government rested its case and handed the floor over to the defense, which tried to paint a picture of Jordan Graham as a childlike person who wasn't ready for the responsibility of marriage. I don't disagree with that. Right. The defense attorneys said what happened the night of July 7th was a tragic accident and that Graham lied about Cody's death because she thought no one would believe her side of the story. Because they um, don't. Because, yeah, they don't. And one of the detectives that talked in the documentary actually kind of said, like, had she not waited like this and tried to cover it up, she may have been able to, you know, pull this off if she would have went to authorities immediately and said he fell. Right. You know, not saying that it's okay, but, like, 
she gave she herself away. About, yeah, she would have. She could have went about this differently. Yeah, it was so suspicious. A from better the beginning. defense would have been she saw his erection erection as a sign of aggression, and it was self defense. Right. She that would have been better than what she came up with of the car I boys. So, I so agree with you. I do. Um, after a few hours of testimony, the defense rested its case, and the to- the court took a recess. But ironically, like just as they're starting to wrap this, wrap, wrap, wrap this up. up, so they're starting to wrap this up. Jordan Graham, all of a sudden, changes her. Um, instead of pleading not guilty, she changes it to she wanted to plead guilty to second degree murder, and the judge was obviously surprised. The judge said, do you understand what you're doing here? In the next 15 minutes, you may be committing yourself to prison to prison for a good portion of your life. Um, ju- the judge asked Graham to tell him what really happened the night of the 7th. And as, as she told her story, the courtroom sat in silence. Now, I did not find whatever she said in the courtroom. Okay. I did not find that. But whatever she said, obviously, she felt she needed to change her her. Well, maybe this time the Lord was actually talking to her. Maybe. Maybe she felt something, but I disagree with that because what I'm going to tell you, I I feel like maybe maybe not so much. But in that moment, she decided to change her um, her uh, plea to not guilty, or I'm sorry, to guilty. And on March 27th of 2014, she was found um, guilty of second-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 360 months in prison, thir- about 30 years, followed by five years of supervised release after she completes her sentence. So she will not be spending life in prison. She will get out. I think she was 21 Does or she 22 have a maybe. possibility of parole before the 30 um, years? I don't think so. I think she has to do the 30 years, but then five years of supervision afterwards. So she'll be 51. She'll still have... A life ahead of her. And be 56 by the time, you know, her parole and all that is done. Yeah. Now, the reason I say, say that I'm not so sure about the remorse is because after this happened, she has um, tried to appeal her conviction oh, geez. multiple times. You pled guilty. Right. I saw in uh, 2016 she had tried again to appeal. It's been denied. But that makes me wonder if there was remorse. Is like, did we have mental health issues going right. on where she's just all over the place? I don't know, but she, to me, it it almost seemed like she had a moment of like, I'm taking responsibility, yeah, and then retracted it and like, no, no, I'm gonna fight right. this. Right? No, prison's worse than I thought. Right? Like, oh, right a this, second, this really sucks. Yeah, she did get moved. I saw to like a brand new prison facility in the area they built. Is this, she in like, federal or state? Do you um, know? Um, I don't know. Hold on She's a second. She's in federal. That's gonna tick me off because that's way less worse than state. I just was reading an article about where she had moved. She went to Federal Correctional Institute. Yeah, that's what I um, it's in Well, when you said it was a brand new facility too. Yeah, yeah it's in federal, Alabama. Federal is not nearly as bad as state. And if it's a brand new facility. Yeah. Wow. Sure great. I mean, I get than, it. It's still prison. She still doesn't get to go off and do what she wants to do every day, but I'm guessing she's probably a model like, prisoner yeah i'm sure she's probably running church groups probably and playing putt-putt golf so 
that's the story. Wow. I don't like it at all. I don't I either. reject it's it so, all. I, honestly, like, the whole thing was so senseless, <laughs> and she did one of the worst jobs I've ever seen yes. covering it up because she was naive. Thank, and thank goodness. Thank goodness for your dumbassness, yep. girl. She was, she was naive, and it's so sad to me that the only way you saw out was, was that way. For sure. To kill him. It never dawned on you. I mean, I get that the Bible frowns on divorce. Right. But, like, it never dawned on you to not go through with the marriage to begin with. If we just would have maybe had some critical thinking skills, we could have seen there was a different way. For sure. Also, fairly certain one of the commandments is thou shall not murder. Yep. Something to that effect. Right there. Still not a good thing. She violated it right there. Was she a sociopath? Maybe. I think, well, I mean, we've established I there was she no has emotion. no empathy. Or did she, was she really just so repulsed by him that she, like, I don't know. That's so weird. It's kind of a weird, really weird situation. It is. I just, I would love like, to. We have no, like you said, no critical thinking skills. There's no, like, hey, there's possible other Yeah, like, there's other avenues. I could just tell him I'm not in love with yep. him and this is not working for yep. me. He's, it's, he's going to be heartbroken. But he'll and maybe, move on. And here's the thing. Maybe she did tell him that, and he didn't respond easily. He was just like, what, and wanted to fight for the marriage. And so then it's like, ah, I don't have time and for this. Get out of my life. shy and kind of like maybe Probably she just. doesn't like confrontation. Right. I, I just, thought of that too. Here's the easiest outlet. Because well, it sounded like it was one-sided, so I don't know if he was just so heavily pursuing her that she just felt like, I can't get away. Yeah. I don't know. And these yeah. are all just assumptions. But right. it is so sad to me. That a 21-year-old girl with her whole life ahead of her only saw that as the option. Yeah, for out sure. Of it. I agree. I don't so, like it. Give me something I that know. I will like. I'm going to give you a story of of hope. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a prime example of why we do our squats. Okay. Okay. I'd be squatting a lot, actually. This is this is the story of a man with the strongest ass of all times. Oh, do tell. I'm gonna tell you. So back in two. Back let me in start tooth. this over. <laughs> so back in 2015, a man with the strongest buns ever was stabbed in the butt multiple times while he was trying to get off the subway. Oh, no. Oddly enough, he didn't even realize that he had been stabbed until he got home. I want an ass like this. Oh, my God. Me, too. The man was waiting for for a Jamaica-bound F train on Continental Avenue Station in Forest Hills around 7.10 p.m. when he said another passenger bumped into him. The victim, who said that his attacker was wearing a red and black checkered coat and black pants, said the man followed him, and when he got on the train, um, he sat next or near him. I think he was standing. And he said that the man bumped into his buttocks several times. <laughs> like, dude, stop <laughs> touching my butt. Right, like, why are you touching him so much? The victim said that he did not know the assailant, and there was no, you know, no dispute before that. He has said he initially felt no pain, and he did not realize that he was actually stabbed until he went home, and he saw blood on his pants. Oh, my Lord. Then he discovered three puncture wounds, wounds to his left buttock and one to his right buttock, each of them about an inch and a half wide. Holy shit. <laughs> right? Like, that is significant. Yes, it is. Your ass, Why? sir, has to be the most muscular 
tight ass. It is out of this world. It could hurt I can't, someone. That is better than Thor's ass. It is. The victim reported the incident and was taken to Forest Hill Hospital in stable condition. He's fine. I'd say he's um, in he's stable good. condition. He walked himself there. It was not disclosed what tool was used to stab him, and f- police officials aren't sure aren't sure what the so there's motive just a was. Subway person going stabbing asses. stabbing asses. That's what I'm taking away from this. So I I need to share that because I'm like that is a. That is one tight ass. Yeah. And the, the world needs to know I about bet, him. I bet he owns a Peloton. Oh, you know what? I bet he does. Yep. Yeah, I hear they make I a dare tight ass. someone to stab this ass <laughs> because I've been working You've been out. hitting that Peloton. Yes, I have. I work that ass, Amber, <laughs> because it could save your life someday. It really could. That's Do my takeaway. Get your why, cardio. Yep. That's why we'd be squatting, That's you why guys. I'm sharing it. You know, staying fit. Yes. It could, it could Stay really alive. save your life. <laughs> Not for the reasons that you think. Not because it helps no. your cardiovascular health, anything like that. Because you someone could strong stab ass. you in the ass and you could potentially not even feel it really. Oh my gosh. I just, yeah, I was like, that's horrible that he got stabbed. I'm not making fun of that. But of course. He was like, I love that he's so nonchalant. Why are you bumping like, into me? Yes. Like this, this creeper is touching my ass on the subway. Right. With a knife. Or something. I'm sharp. also so curious what the motive was. Like, why did you, you just, just looked at that ass and was like, "I bet if I stab it, he won't even know." Maybe he was like, "I have to try this." Yeah, maybe he's not a habitual ass stabber. He or just maybe, was curious. Maybe he was gonna mug him, and then he's like, "Oh, oh wait, the, not he's with not this human. ass. <laughs> not with this ass." He didn't even feel that. I there's nothing I'm I can out. do. I'm no. done. It's like Iron Man over here. Nope. It broke the knife. I don't know. I don't know. Did they check for shards? Is it still in there? Shit. (laughs) Good question. But there you have it. The strongest buttocks the world has ever known. I love to hear about things like that. So I appreciate you. Thank you. If you would like to continue to hear more weird shit like this, uh, (laughs) follow us on social media. You can write us. Oh, wait. There's more. There's plenty more. There's more. Uh, if you have your own weird shit, write us at crimecurious oh, at yahoo.com. We love it when people do that. And send us um, headlines from your area, too. That works. And you can actually send all that on social media as well if you don't want to email. So, yeah. Until next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.